Hey listeners, welcome to the Learn to Code With Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you that you can get the show notes for this episode and every other episode at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast player you listen on. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a review would be awesome too. Here's a quick word from our sponsors who help make the show possible. Fullstack Academy is a leading coding bootcamp that helps great people become great developers at top companies like Google and Facebook. Visit bootcampprep.io to get a $500 scholarship to Fullstack Academy's beginner coding course called Bootcamp Prep. Zojo is a development tool for creating native apps for desktop, mobile, web, and Raspberry Pi. Zojo offers lots of resources to help you get started learning modern programming. Learn to Code With Me listeners get 20% off with the coupon LEARN20. Try Zojo for free at zojo.com forward slash learn to code. Zojo is spelled like X-O-J-O. In today's episode, I talk with Dr. Nicole Forsgren, the CEO and Chief Scientist at DevOps Research and Assessment. We talk all about DevOps, specifically what it is, what skills a DevOps career entails, how a person can get started in a DevOps career, and much more. Dr. Nicole Forsgren is the CEO and Chief Scientist at DevOps Research and Assessment. She's best known as the lead investigator on the largest DevOps studies to date. She has also worked as a professor, a performance engineer, and a sysadmin. Hey, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I am so excited to talk with you today because you are the first person to come on the show who specializes in DevOps. So I just wanted to get right down to basics right away. Could you explain what DevOps is to our audience? Sure, absolutely. And I'm Thank you. I'm so excited to be here to talk about this thing that like, I'm so excited about. This is perfect. So DevOps is a new software development and delivery methodology that's helping companies and organizations around the world bring value to their organizations in faster, less painful ways, right? That's probably the, the easiest high-level way to explain it. But what does that mean, right? <laughs> what, what do I actually mean when I say that? So what we mean is it's going to be some technology in ways that talk about, you know, it's going to be words like continuous integration, continuous delivery, using version control, using automated testing. But it doesn't just stop at technology and automation. It also brings in processes that pull from like the lean management and the agile canon. And it's also culture, right? It's really kind of a cultural transformation wherein we bring different groups of people together that maybe traditionally didn't really work together, right? It's the dev team, it's the QA folks, it's the ops team really working together in close groups so that, like I said, we can deliver value faster and more reliably and and in less painful ways than we did, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years ago. So how did you first get into DevOps at then? So it was it was sort of interesting. As you mentioned, I was uh, a professor, but before that, I did hardware performance. I was a sysadmin, and I used to work on these really large systems and, you know, work on delivering value, and I wanted to help make it better. But when I did that, you know, we would 
I would, we would come to our manager or, or come to our leaders and say, well, let's try this. I want to try this. And they would say, oh, that, that's a great story. You know, it maybe worked for that other team over there, but it won't work here. You know, we're, we're different, right? I'm, I'm sure you've heard that. And I'm sure people who have, who have worked in tech have probably heard that or have had that experience before. And so I actually kind of got into DevOps through research. So I went and decided to go get a PhD because I wanted to study what broad practices and capabilities could help make this process, this software development and delivery process, better and more smooth for all teams broadly. And so that's that's sort of how I got into it is, is kind of investigating uh, the stories and then collecting data from a from a broad perspective and from a research perspective. Okay, nice. So it sounds like you were in tech before that. Did you always work in tech or did you come from another industry earlier in your career? I did. I always worked in tech. And actually, my very, very first job was on mainframes. Oh, wow. Wow. So yeah, you've been in tech. That's great, though. But you <laughs> haven't always worked in DevOps. DevOps hasn't been around all that long. Am I, am I right? So it, it sort of depends on who you talk to, right? So DevOps, the term hasn't always been around, right? So I think the term was, um, depending on who you talk to, it sort of started trickling up and around maybe 2008, 2009. The idea started uh, 2007, 2008, 2009, kind of as an idea around agile system administration, right? Like how do we kind of take the ideas and the concepts around agile and agile development? How do we extend it through the IT operations and maintainability and system administration, right? Um, and so some groups will say they've been doing it forever, right? Like you're always going to find like the original hipsters, right? The original tech hipsters are going to say, well, I've been doing it forever. But it really wasn't a broad movement, probably until it didn't really start getting traction until probably 2009, 2010. And it's really kind of taken hold um, and it's spreading throughout more of the industry now. Although we do find large pockets of organizations that are still just starting now. So for anyone who's listening, thinking, but I'm not doing it, we're not doing it, that's fine, right? You can always start. It's always a process of ongoing improvement. So when I started... It, I was not doing DevOps, right? I was definitely doing um, just core, um, you know, programming in mainframes, and then also system administration because I was also maintaining the the systems that I was working on. Got it. So I'm thinking about just like companies, and um, so actually the company I work for, uh, it's a company called Teachable. It's a startup, and we're at about 60 people, and we don't have a dedicated DevOps person yet. We do have some people who help with DevOps related tasks. Uh, but at a bigger company, is there usually an entire DevOps department or are they usually like part of the engineering team? Like, I guess it could vary, but what does that usually look like? So I'm going to answer by saying it depends. And it's really interesting you say that because some people will get like really defensive or maybe like aggressive and they will say you shouldn't have a DevOps person or you shouldn't have a DevOps department. Although when we do have a DevOps department, it's often in just larger organizations. And what that DevOps department might look like is kind of an enablement organization, right? Like they may help everyone else kind of do the DevOps, right? As I kind of joke about the DevOps. What often we will see is a cross-functional team doing DevOps practices together, right? We'll have this cross-functional team wherein, you know, as I said, it's part tech and automation, it's part process, and it's part culture, wherein we're kind of pulling everyone together to help everyone do all of these practices together. So we're going to be 
um, using version control for all production artifacts, right? Not just application, but also um, our infrastructure code and our configuration. We'll be using automated testing practices. We'll be using uh, deployment automation. Uh, we'll be doing trunk-based development. We'll also be using um, lean management practices like whip limits and working in small batches, um, doing all those sorts of things. And then the cultural piece, right? So making sure that our ops folks and our dev folks and, and everyone is really communicating closely and taking smart risks and trusting each other and um, innovating together. So you can absolutely be doing DevOps without having a dedicated DevOps person. And some people say that that's the way it should be done is you shouldn't have a DevOps person or a DevOps department. Whereas other groups will have a DevOps team and they'll say that's the right way to do it. There is no one right way. So it sounds like it encompasses all these different things, right? Like culture, automation, tech. How can a person uh, listening to this podcast right now get started on a career in DevOps? Uh, is there like a certain area they should start exploring? Or maybe there's another career that usually like kind of funnels into being DevOps? Sure. So there are a few different things you can do. If you've never heard of it before, there, there are a few things that you can read. And there are one or two books that are considered seminal reading, right? So one is The Phoenix Project, uh, written by Gene Kim, uh, Kevin Baer, Gene Spafford. Um, and it's actually a novel, right? So for people who just don't like reading, it, there's also, it's also out on audiobook. And it actually tells the story of an IT organization kind of going through a transformation. And that's actually really, really helpful and really great because that helps you visualize, right, what it is and what a transformation looks like and, and what constraints are, right? Like what this might really look like and then what you can expect to sort of see at the back end. So that's a really great place to start at least. Um, the the follow-on to that is DevOps Handbook. That's a little more prescriptive, right? What are the core practices? What are the core capabilities? That was written by um, Gene Kim, Jez Humble, uh, John Willis, Patrick Dubois. Uh, that just came out in the last year or so. And so that one's a little more prescriptive. Um, Effective DevOps is, is also really great. Um, Jennifer Davis, Catherine Daniels wrote that. And that's a little stronger on the cultural side. So those two together, uh, DevOps Handbook and Effective DevOps, are really those are really nice companion pieces um, and really good reference books as well. Now, for people who are really strong on the dev side, uh, Continuous Delivery, uh, Dave Farley and Jess Humble wrote that. That's always uh, really fantastic as well. Now, you asked, how do people often get into DevOps, right? So what's the, what's the traditional career path for this? You can get into it from the dev side. You can get into it from the ops side. Um, some people get into it from kind of the, the coaching or the um, product management side, right? So there are so many different ways to get into it if you're really interested. So that's, I think, something that I really, really love about it is that it focuses on and it favors uh, teams, empathy. You can always jump online and look up DevOps Days and find a local DevOps Days and Meetup group. And the thing I love about it is that it's such a strong community-based conference and they're, they're everywhere now, right? There are so many different local uh, DevOps Days groups. The morning is often a handful of talks and the afternoon is open spaces. It's an unconference. And so people will kind of get together, 
they'll propose talks or topics that they're sort of interested in. And then it kind of organizes, it's kind of a self-organizing conference around what talks or topics are interesting to people. And sometimes it'll be something like microservices or Kubernetes or monitoring, but sometimes it's even like book club, you know, what's, what's interesting to people now. And so you end up growing your community. And that's something else that I really love about the DevOps community is it's about community and sharing and making everyone better. So there's always a really fantastic way into the community. Fabulous. So you named a bunch of great books. We're definitely going to include those in the show notes. You also talked about meetups and the community that there is around DevOps. However, I just know my listeners and they're probably thinking, what skills do I need though? What skills do I need? So, sure, is, sure. so is there any like maybe a short list or, or, or a long list perhaps of different skills that are important when it comes to a DevOps career? Sure. Okay. So there's I want to say like there's so many, but there's also, it kind of depends, right? The answer is always, it depends. Depends on what it is you want to do. So if you want to go into this and be uh, like a product manager, you can like definitely knowing agile and scrum and working in small batches and decomposing work, uh, value stream mapping. Those are some really fantastic, valuable skills in terms of leading teams and growing teams that you can know. Um, If you want to come at this from, an IT operations kind of uh, framework side of things, knowing either uh, Puppet or Chef or Ansible or um, you know microservices, that can be really fantastic. If you want to come at this from the dev side of the house, that is going to be sort of dependent on what languages you know your employer is going to know. Is it going to be Go? Is it going to be um, you know, Erlang, is it going to be Rust? Is it going to be Ruby? Some of that will kind of depend on uh, where you end up going. So I would suggest finding, um, or, or even geographically, right? Like some, some pockets of the country um, end up having, or some, some development hubs end up having like really strong um, communities around particular languages because employers end up, you know, using those languages. So kind of dig into what is happening in your area. And sometimes you can find it just by looking at meetups, Right, those meetups meetups end up cropping up to support those languages, so you can find out what's happening in your area. So you mentioned Chef, and I saw on your LinkedIn that you had worked there in the past. And this is—it's a company. It's—it's it's a word that I see mentioned all the time on um, different tech articles and in job listings as something a person should know. I'm going to admit, I don't really understand what Chef is. Could you explain what um, the company does and also just like what you did there? Sure, absolutely. So Chef is a configuration management. Uh, it's So their open source version is, is configuration management tool. Puppet is another one that's also configuration management. Um, Salt and Ansible are, are other, uh, it's a different two different types of uh, open source configuration management tools. Um, and so they're they're great for if anyone has heard of infrastructure as code. It's a fantastic way to manage really large infrastructure. And so for anyone who is is new to this area, let's think about a server, right? Or your laptop, right? When you buy your laptop, you set it up, right? Typey typey. We we click a few buttons. We kind of can set up our laptop, and it's not too bad. Or we can think about buying a server, right? We can configure a server manually. But what happens if we have a hundred servers? We can set them up, we can configure them. If we want to change a configuration setting, 
it's not too bad if we need to do it with one or two or five or maybe even 10. But what happens if we have a hundred of them or a thousand of them or tens of thousands of them? We don't want to have to do it one at a time. So we want to do that with code. Particularly, we want to do it with code because then we can do it with code and we can push it out to all of the servers. And what happens if it doesn't stick, right? It doesn't work or it doesn't roll out. We want the code to know that it didn't work and then manage the configuration of all of our servers and upgrade all of our servers and patch all of our servers. So that's what our configuration management software does. It manages our infrastructure with code. So Chef is one of those uh, softwares that does that. Chef and Puppet and Salt and Ansible. Those are all types of uh, configuration management softwares. We're taking a quick break from this interview to hear a word from our sponsors who help make the Learn to Code With Me podcast a reality. Fullstack Academy is a leading coding bootcamp that helps students become great software developers and get jobs at top tier companies. Fullstack's Advanced Software Engineering Immersive course gives you the skills you need to launch your dream career in tech. With a cutting edge curriculum and supportive educational environment, Fullstack has helped graduates get jobs at companies like Google, Amazon, and Facebook, along with many others. Fullstack Software Engineering Immersive is taught on campus in New York City and Chicago and is accessible from everywhere through Fullstack's Remote Immersive. Go to fullstackacademy.com to learn more. Fullstack Academy, making great people into great developers. Zoja was a cross-platform development tool for creating native apps for desktop, mobile, web, and Raspberry Pi. With Zojo, you really can write just one version of your app, say, on a Mac, click a button, and have a completely native Windows version too. Zojo lets you abstract yourself from specific platform details so you can focus on what makes your app unique. All apps have completely native controls, even if they weren't developed on that platform. Just use drag and drop to create your user interface in one language to program the functionality. Zojo is perfect for people who aren't programmers by trade, but who learn to program to make their jobs easier. Users also include Fortune 500 companies, commercial developers, IT developers, hobbyists, and students. Anyone who wants to build apps faster. Learn to Code With Me listeners get 20% off with the coupon code LEARN20. Try Zojo free at zojo.com forward slash learn to code. Thank you for elaborating. That was so helpful and that you explained it perfectly. And now it makes sense why I see Chef and Puppet all over different job ads, especially job um, listings that are for DevOps because it's like a skill or um, a tool that they're looking for someone to know. So that totally makes sense. Yeah. So, Nicole, it it seems like, or from your LinkedIn again, you are running your own company today. And it relates to DevOps. So how did you end up making a switch from you know, being a professor, then working at Chef, and now running your own company? Sure. Okay, so let me, let me walk through my, my story just a little bit, uh, my, my path maybe. So I was in industry for years, and then I went and got a PhD because I wanted to understand how, like what types of things make software development delivery better. Um, and what makes communication and collaboration better. So another area of my expertise is um, communication, collaboration, knowledge management, particularly among technical professionals. 
Um, and then I went and I was a professor for years. So what some people don't realize is that for research active professors, our, our primary goal and our primary job isn't actually teaching its research. And so I was research active for a number of years. And my my expertise was DevOps, right? So you did mention in, in my in that introduction there that I've I've done the largest DevOps studies to date. So I was still being research active. And then I sort of came to this interesting fork in the road where I was still doing a bunch of publishing and I was trying to share much of my research with industry because the goal when you're a researcher is to have an impact. And you can have an impact in a few ways. One is to publish as much as you can and get other people to cite your research. And another is to try to impact the industry, right? So I'd been through that kind of dot-com bust, right? And I and I don't want to see that happen again. I, was, I want to see companies do well and, and impact their users and, and succeed and develop and deliver software with speed and stability and drive value for their customers and value for their users and value for their stakeholders. And the way we made software, even just a few years ago, isn't cutting it anymore. It just doesn't work. And so I could have stayed in academia, but I just didn't see it having a big enough impact anymore. And so I decided it might be a good time to just come back to industry and continue doing research. And so um, a couple of companies approached me and Chef was one of them. And Chef said, you know, we'd love to have you come join us. We will. We would love for you to continue doing your research um, and, and have greater impact and greater exposure. And at the same time, uh, interface with industry and, and get better ideas about what you want to continue researching. And at the same time, help us improve our own software development and delivery based on your research. And so I went to Chef and did that for about a year and a half. And at the same time, I was leading this the research. I was lead investigator on the state of DevOps report. So I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with that or if your uh, listeners are familiar with that. We can include that in the show notes as well. Um, this was a project that I led with uh, the core team at Dora, which is um, Jess Humble. Gene Kim, and also the team at Puppet. So I just mentioned Puppet, right? That's another configuration management uh, team. So this is the largest DevOps study to date. We've done it now four years. And we have been able to identify some of the biggest drivers of performance in software development delivery in, in DevOps. Some of the core technical and automation practices, some of the core process practices, some of the core cultural practices, to really drive transformation and value at the technology level and at the organizational level. And so we did this for a few years, and then we realized we had this like really exciting thing, and so many companies would come to us at conferences and they would say, I wish there was a way to measure my own team. You know, not just, you know, I, I read this report and it's amazing, and it's free and it's open source, and, and we'll include this in show notes, but I wish there was a way I could measure my own teams. I wish there was a way I could assess my own teams, right? I'm, I'm trying to build out my own maturity model. I wish there was a way I could assess it. And then, you know, where should I start, Nicole? We're doing a transformation. Where should I start? And so we, we sort of, me and Gene and Jez sat down one day and we said, well, I, we know how. We know how to measure people now because we have this scientifically rigorous way to measure it because it's based on, you know, the solid science and the solid research and once I have a team's data, I can actually tell them where to start. And so we decided to start this company and we, we kind of started it like as this, this tiny little side project. You know, I got 
permission from chef. They were lovely because it was this little side project. And then once it got big enough, I, I stepped away from chef and, and it's sort of a real company. We decided to like, see if it could be a real company. And so I've been running it for a year now. Um, and you know, Jez has joined full time as well. And, and, um, we expanded the team and Sue Choi is on the, on the team full time as well. And we're now we have, uh, two kind of two sides to the company. So the, the research is open source and then we have an assessment product that is, um, for sale. That's the commercialization side of the piece. So we can sell assessments to organizations if they want to know how well they measure. I can benchmark them against the industry. I have over 23,000 data points around the world, all industries, all company sizes. And then I can tell an organization um, which areas they should focus in on in their own technology transformations to really accelerate their own their own work and their own transformation to really make a difference in their value creation. So with this product that you mentioned, this is super fascinating. These assessments, is this done, is this kind of like a software product that they sort of put this information and it kind of gives them a score or are you working alongside them more? That's a great question. So our assessment is different from most that exist in industry right now because we use a software product, right? So it's based on these scientifically validated rigorous survey questions and that makes it repeatable scalable fast it it does kind of kick out a score it's and it's not you know we don't end up working alongside anyone we don't send out teams of people to do interviews and assessments um and that's what that's what the rest of the industry usually ends up doing is sending out you know flying out teams of people um which is which is fine but what ends up happening is you end up introducing bias and ends up taking a lot of time. You can't interview everyone. Um, because ours is survey-based and highly scalable, I can interview, or I can survey, rather, everyone on the entire team across dev, test, ops, QA, infosec, um, everyone, right? Everyone that is involved in the software development delivery process. So I can collect everyone's data and then roll it up algorithmically. Wow, that's really that's really cool. I don't think I've ever I'm trying to even compare it think of a comparison but I can't maybe maybe there's other products kind of similar but that's really yeah that's really that's really fascinating so you've been doing that now for over a year mm-hmm. and that's you know your main it's no longer a side project it's become a full-fledged business <laughs> that's my real job now <laughs> <laughs> how exciting so do you guys have an office like in the area that you live or is since it's all surveys it can be done remotely Yep, we're all remote, um, and we offer the product around the world. We have customers all over North America, all throughout the UK and EMEA. Um, we're chatting with a handful in places like Australia and APAC. We don't we don't have localization yet. We haven't translated it into other languages, but um, we're we're kind of up and down the West Coast uh, primarily. But but I've delivered um, assessments throughout India, uh, like I said, all throughout EMEA, North America. So, and we have some really, really fantastic customers in finance, healthcare and pharma, insurance, telecom, uh, retail. So we've got, and we have some really, really fantastic, wonderful customers that have been lovely to work with. What an amazing story you have. And I'm like totally switching gears now. Well, it's still, of course, about DevOps, but (laughs) one of the questions I'd written down and I really wanted to ask, uh, is where the DevOps field is he- is heading. And what I mean by that is what could a person do today? What could they learn 
to position themselves in a way that would set themselves up for success in the future? Oh, there are so many places that there are so many things that you can learn and so many like different areas that we're going that I think it's, you can set yourself up for success in so many different ways, right? So the interesting thing is that technology is just getting in some ways smaller and smaller and in other ways more and more complex, right? So we're moving toward microservices, which makes things smaller, but we're also including more and more distributed systems, which makes them more and more complex. Um, any type of things that are dealing with um, data, machine learning, that is a new challenge that that DevOps is just starting to deal with and integrate that's making things super, super interesting, right? Including machine learning and AI, um, all of the microservices and platform as a service is making things uh, move faster, which is really, really interesting. Getting involved in open source communities is always a great idea because more and more enterprises are embracing that and leveraging it and using those types of um, softwares and platforms right now. So, you know, what, what enterprises were really hesitant and reluctant to use even three, four or five years ago, they're absolutely using right now. So that can always be a fantastic place to start. Wonderful, wonderful. So you mentioned a bunch of these things, all these resources, all these directions one can take and how DevOps careers can really vary from company to company. And it just depends on kind of what direction you want to take it, which is really exciting. I love how flexible it could be. Uh, but for someone who is super new to tech and they think something um, in DevOps that is very, um, you know, combines these different areas, tech, automation, culture, as you mentioned, if there is one thing they could do to get started, again, this person has zero experience, what would it be? So maybe it's a certain book or course, or maybe it's whatever. What what would it be? Okay, so I would I would say two things. So one, I would say read the Phoenix Project because that will be like a fantastic intro and overview into what DevOps is, right? Like like that's table stakes. You've got to read the Phoenix Project because everyone will also ask you, have you read the Phoenix Project? So you need to read the Phoenix Project or listen to it on audiobook, and then. Um, pick up some sort of technical skill. Now realize it's not just technical skills, but um, you know, figure out what it is you want to do. If you want to be a developer, maybe jump into some sort of open source community, tech community. Right now, Go is a great language. They've got an amazing open source community. They're super welcoming. I keep hearing like amazing, amazing, wonderful things. And as soon as I have any free time, I'm probably myself going to pick up Go. Like I know a handful of other languages. I don't know Go yet, but like that, that is top of my list. So if you are thinking about going dev side, like maybe consider Go or like Python, right? Python's also nice because it's a great language. Um, if you're considering getting into analytics in any type, it, like in any way, Python is really great or maybe R. Um, if you're thinking about the ops side of things or the infrastructure side of things or the, the past, the platform as a service side of things, maybe look into um, like microservices or containers, maybe look into like Kubernetes or um, pick up something like Puppet or Chef. That can always be like an interesting place to start and, and do a little bit of reading into like what, what does what does infrastructure mean, right? 
Like, what does infrastructure look like? And some of that will be a little bit of reading, and then you can play around with the code at the same time as well. Awesome. So I love that you mentioned Go. Uh, I actually have a article I wrote recently uh, based on research that Stack Overflow published. Now I realize that this recording is not going to come out for a bit because I, I'm pre-recording everything. But nonetheless, uh, it was called the two highest paying programming languages you maybe never heard of. And Go is one of them. So it's definitely super uh, in demand right now uh, for all the listeners if you've maybe never heard of it before. See, I didn't know that. And and really, they are known for having one of the friendliest, most welcoming and open communities ever, which is which is great, right? Because you specifically ask for someone who has not done any of this, right? <laughs> so that's yeah. another great thing. And also, I love money, right? Love <sighs> money. So get paid and go for a welcoming community. That's a win-win. Yeah, I, I didn't realize the community aspect, but that's even... That makes it even better, right? High paid skill or language to know, and they have a welcoming community. Yeah, it's like perfect for a person to learn if they're just getting started to go in that direction. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on the show. Finally, where can people find you online? Well, thank you for having me. And some of the best places to find me, you can go to my website, NicoleFV.com. So that's Nicole, F as in Frank, V as in Victor.com. Or you can always hit me up at Twitter. It's at NicoleFV. Great. Thank you again. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. For a recap or to browse through other episodes and show notes, head on over to learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you like tech-related content like this podcast, make sure to sign up for my email list. You can do so easily right on the homepage at learntocodewith.me. There's a big sign-up form right at the top. I'll send you new blog posts, tell you about time-limited course deals, and much more. It was great to have you with me today. Join me next week for another episode.